Hello, and welcome to the Landis Cooperative Experience, featuring the bull bear banter. We all know that markets often behave in a way that can't easily be explained. The bull bear banter is our best effort to digest the noise of the marketplace. So thank you for joining us. Sit back, relax, and let's talk about the markets. Hello, this is Cheyenne Dunham, and I want to welcome you to the April 5th episode of the bull bear banter. As usual, I'm joined by Tom Guinan. Well, Cheyenne, Friday afternoon, May corn closed down two and three quarters at 362 and a half, but that is up six cents from last Friday's horrible close. December corn closed down two and a quarter for the day at 390, which is up five and a quarter from last week. May soybeans closed down seven and one quarter at 899, but that is also up 14 and a quarter from last Friday's close, with November soybeans closing down six and three quarters on Friday at 932 and three quarters, up 13 and three quarters for the week. Well, Tom, if there was a big story this week, I missed it. When we left off last week, trade was still reeling from the numbers we saw in the USDA's March reports on prospective planting acres and quarterly stocks. The Commitment of Traders report that came out on Friday showed funds took almost 58,000 contracts off their net short position in corn. That was down to just over 203,000 contracts. For beans, they dropped their position by 12,000 contracts to just over 51,000 contracts short. However, it's important to note that these numbers were as of last Tuesday, that was March 26, so that doesn't take into account the movement we saw Friday following the reports. We did see some recovery this week. That was likely due to the start of a new month, a new calendar quarter, and the market having time to digest the report numbers over the weekend. Looking back, the acreage number of 84.6 million for beans should prove helpful in offsetting our large stock numbers if it proves to be accurate. Well, even with the lack of news, let's try to pull together some bull bear factors. For corn, the bullish news is still a little hard to find, but I would say this wet spring is really causing delay in field work. We continue to hear stories out in the country about equipment getting stuck and recent attempts to either get some stuff in place or just getting grain out of bins. If this continues, it could trigger a short covering for all of those short contracts you talked about earlier for both corn and beans. On the weekly EIA report, we see ethanol production up 24,000 barrels per day from last week. However, it is the first time since April of 2017 that production has been below 1 million barrels per day for two consecutive weeks. Tom, on the bear side of that, a quick look at the USDA's monthly grain crushings report showed that corn use for ethanol continues to lag behind last year. That was just shy of 403 million gallons for February. That was down 9.3% from January and 7.1 off of where we were at a year ago. Year-to-date corn use for ethanol is 121 million bushels below last year. And then even with the wet conditions, I see some warmer days in our forecast. Producers have proven time and time again they have the equipment and the determination to go hard and fast when they finally get out in the field. And as we were talking about earlier today, the high moisture soil and warm temperatures, these are going to be ideal growing conditions for the crop once it gets in the ground. On the soybean side, some bullish factors that I see. We continue to hear a little bit of talk about U.S. and China. It's been a while since we've really seen some hard data from them or anything specific, but a lot of people in the trade remain optimistic that there's going to be a trade deal done with China sometime soon. The other thing for a bullish factor, I'd say, is that very low acreage number the USDA put out last week, just barely inside the range of estimates. This could help offset the record stocks that have been looming over our heads. On the other side for soybeans, it's a little easy to find a bearish factor for soybeans, but USDA's fats and oils report showed slower than expected crush in February, just under 163 million bushels. 
Looking at soy oil stocks in February, they were up 145 million pounds from January. Switching over a little touch on South America, we haven't talked a lot about that lately, but Argentina's crop is seeing some wet conditions at the moment. Overall, trade guesses for the crop are still coming in around 54 million metric tons. That's up 17 million metric tons from where they came out last year. And again, touching on China a little bit, the lasting effects of that African swine fever, you know, what's going to happen with their soybean demand, their soy meal demand for that, that's going to continue to be debated until we really get some hard numbers for how their pork production, for how their numbers have been impacted. Some are saying that other countries could, would expand their pork production to fill the gap, but that's still a lot of speculation at this point, I think. So what do we do with this information? You know, we, we try to give you guys some, some feedback of why we think this all matters. Again, we're just going to continue to say have some pricing goals in mind and be a little flexible. As we go through this spring planting time, we'll see a lot of ups and downs and sideways movement. But if you've got something in mind you want to get sold, let us know about that. It should be a time to try to get some of this old crop done and or make some new crop sales. And beyond that, have you checked out any of the December 2020 corn prices recently? We really think that's something that folks should at least keep an eye on. Yeah, I think, you know, corn's looking good as we look ahead. Beans, everything's still so up up in the air. It's, it's a little hard to lock in those numbers at this point. So it just takes some, takes some tracking of the numbers, I think. Looking ahead, what to watch for upcoming events. Um, we are going to see a April... WASD report from the USDA. Uh, Not as much of a big deal for us as some of our previous reports we've been talking about, but we are going to see an update on supply and demand for our 2018 numbers. No acreage changes for 2019 in this report, but it is going to give us a better idea of South America's numbers because it does have our world supply and demand. It's not just for what's going on in the U.S., At the end of today's Bull Bear Banter, stay tuned for an interview we did earlier with Janet Smith, one of our grain marketing advisors. And as always, if you have questions or comments for us, make sure to email us at podcast at landiscooperative.com. I think that's all we have for our normal program today. We appreciate you joining us for the Bull Bear Banter as part of the Landis Cooperative Experience podcast. If you have any questions regarding grain marketing decisions, please reach out to your area grain marketing advisor. That's all we have. Again, um, stay tuned. Here in just a minute, we're going to put on our special guest segment with Janet. Joining us today is Janet Smith, one of our grain marketing advisors. Welcome, Janet. So, Janet, with the recent USDA reports and the subsequent downward movement, what advice are you giving farmers about the balance of their unsold old crop for corn and beans? The first thing we start talking about is what percent are they looking at? If they're 50%, are they 30%? Have they not made any old crop sales? So there's not just a blanket, what's good for one is good for all. And then we talk to farmers about, is it in storage? Is it in the bin? Where's their grain at? Is it on basis contracts? Is it on extended price? Is it on price later? Then we talk about when do they want their money? And then the next step we talk about is offer contracts, putting offer contracts in place because in the next 30 to 45 days, farmers are going to be busy in the field. And historically, when farmers are in the field and busy, that's when markets will do the most moving. So it's not just a blanket statement, Tom. It's a case-by-case telling farmers and seeing what their price expectations are. So kind of figure out where they're at first and then work with them to figure out what advice you'd give them? Yes. Okay. 
So would you give them any different advice or what advice would you give them for new crop, whether it's corn or soybeans? Same thing with new crop. Beans is a little weird because what I, the first question I talk to farmers about, are you making money selling at this new crop level? Okay. And from there, then say, if they are, okay, then make your first sale. If you're not, what are you looking for? And once again, put offers in. New crop corn, the same thing. A lot of guys do have their first sale that was put on at 350. Right now, we're a little bit below 350, but put offers in place. So at some point, so when corn rallies, you got your next offer in. So start selling in five and 10,000 bushel increments and sell in five cents and 10 cent increments. So that's what we're looking at. Also, we have farmers already starting to sell December of 2020 corn. I know it's hard to sell that far out, but when the market is uncertain of crops and what's going on, it's giving people, there's a premium in it for selling that far out. So we already have guys selling a small amount, but they're already selling December corn of 2020 on a futures only. Wow. Okay. Good. Good advice. Thanks. Janet, last week at Ventures, we discussed a lot of our marketing alternatives, and we had a question that I'd like you to answer. If you could tell a producer to learn about one marketing alternative between now and harvest, what one would you focus on and why that one? Our most underutilized contract that we offer is an offer contract. Whether it's a cash offer, a new crop offer, a futures offer, it is the most underutilized contract. It doesn't cost anything to use and it trades during the overnight. So if you put those levels in and it's something you're looking for, let it work for 30 days, see what it does, and then a GMA will give you a call and talk to you about whether it's hit or not and what your next expectation is. Every one of our farmers, because it's free and it's a good contract to have in place, so when the market moves and you're busy or it moves at 2 o'clock in the morning, it's a great contract to use year in and year out. And I think the key you're saying there is we should use the offers as in let them work and let them fill, not pull them as soon as we get close to that offer you're looking for. Exactly right. Because a lot of farmers will, when it's within two or three cents, will pull the offer. It would have actually hit the offer and then it falls back. And then farmers have the remorse of I should have let it work. So put them in place, let them work for you. Then when they're executed, then you move to the next level. They are the most underutilized contracts, and they're the best contracts that anybody offers. Anything else you'd like to add, Janet? Nope, that's pretty much it. Well, Janet, we know you've been with the company for a while now, and you've worked with a lot of farmers. Obviously, you've you know seen it year by year, and you should you know you have that experience of working with these guys and building those relationships and stuff. So it's great that you know. I think your opinions on this are things that everyone can listen to. Like you said, it depends on the situation, but the more people get to know their grain marketing advisors and work with them and trust them, it really it really helps them in their operation. So we really appreciate your insight today on these. I, great advice, love the offer contracts, and just, you know, those thoughts about selling old crop and new crop. So we want to thank you for taking time out of your day. We know you're really busy. Um, we appreciate it. And again, if anyone has any questions about what we talked about in this or questions they want to sit down and visit with a grain marketer, make sure you know to give us a call and we can put you in contact with one in your area. Thanks, Cheyenne. Thanks, Tom. Mm-hmm.